Hey lovelies, before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for all the love and support you set my way surrounding the first birthday of this podcast. Reading your emails, messages, and comments filled my heart with so much joy, and I appreciate each and every one of you listening today. In the last episode, I spoke about how I didn't want this to be a show only for Orthodox Jewish women. So while most of my guests have come from the Orthodox community, I've shied away from discussing topics that are specific to my community. I know that not everyone listening now is Orthodox, and I want you to feel just as included as everyone else. I firmly believe that we are more alike than we are different, and I just didn't think that these were issues that needed to be discussed on this platform. Today... I'm breaking that rule, and we're going to be talking about Orthodox Jewish divorce. A few things to know about this topic. In Orthodox Judaism, any sex outside of a marriage is forbidden. That means couples who are dating are not having physical contact with each other. It also means that there is effectively no such thing as taking a break from a relationship. Either you are married to someone or you are not. And if you're not married to someone, you can't have sex with them. This reality means that Orthodox Jews will generally date expressly for the purpose of marriage. Number two, in Orthodoxy, both the man and the woman need to be willing participants in the divorce proceedings. If one side of the relationship is not interested in getting divorced, the divorce doesn't happen, and it can drag on for as long as the unwilling party is stubborn. It is more common for the man to refuse to give a get, but the woman can refuse to accept it as well. Number three, Because both of these things are true, sex outside of marriage is forbidden, and both parties need to be willing participants in a divorce, a long, drawn-out divorce battle means that the lives of the people involved are put on hold. Neither of them can date, neither of them can marry. They are chained to each other until the issues get worked out. Number four, all of this takes place in Jewish court. Generally, the only enforcement mechanism that Jewish courts have is embarrassment or ostracization. They don't have a police force behind them the way secular courts do. The one exception to this rule in the modern age is Israel. Israeli courts can and do imprison people, usually men, who hold up divorce proceedings. Some of those people are so willing to spite their ex-spouse that they are willing to sit in jail. Number five, a quick glossary. A get is a Jewish divorce document. Halacha is Jewish law. Bastin is the Jewish court, which is separate from civil court. Aguna means chained woman. It's used to refer to a woman trapped in divorce proceedings. This is an important issue and one that doesn't get nearly enough airtime. So if you are part of the Orthodox community, I hope this episode opens your eyes to what some women in our circles go through and inspires you to take action to help them. If you're not, I hope this opens your eyes to the ways Orthodox women are exercising the power they have to make themselves more hurt. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. And on today's show, I talk with a woman who was stuck in Orthodox Jewish divorce proceedings for nearly a decade. She shares what it felt like to have her life on hold, how an Instagram campaign led to her finally getting that important document, and how that led her to start Get Out. I did not know Rifka Meyer at all when I reached out to her to be on the show. I learned about her through Dahlia Ozil's Instagram page and knew immediately that I had to have a talk with Rivka. Her situation is one that I had only heard about in theory. I had never met or known someone who was an Aguna. As a little kid, I was the quiet, shy, behind this, hiding behind my elder sister, but um, very cheeky one. <laughs> <laughs> I get all the trouble, but I sit and smile behind her. So, yeah. That was me. <laughs> Cheeky is such a wonderful British word. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Did you always live in London? Yeah, born and bred. Well, yeah, I lived in Northern California for a couple of years, but otherwise, otherwise, fully born and bred here. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's pretty awesome. The way that you and I met is kind of nutso. Um, and we'll probably touch on that a little bit later. Um, 
and through the wonderful things that can happen through social media. What I want to do is I want to, um, the, can you tell everyone how we met? Cause I think that that'll help us get into what we want to talk about. Sure. Um, so two weeks ago, uh, two weeks and two days ago, but who's counting? I am. Mazel tov. <laughs> I received my get, my Jewish divorce from my ex after waiting nine and a half years. It's a very big deal. Um, I did launch a social media campaign um, thanks to a Keeping It Real campaign that someone was doing. And I started talking about the whole Alguna um, chained woman situation. And the response was just like, unbelievable huge and i realized there's such a need to talk about this and to bring it bring it into into the light so um yeah i think when it became public knowledge when i did finally get my divorce and the whole world knew about it um i am part of the world (laughs) and that and that and that was part of it so what the the thing that we're going to be talking about is this this jewish divorce and um when that gets drawn out how it has real implications for the way that you live your life just because of the importance that um jews and specifically orthodox jews place on being legally married legally according to jewish law married um and i want to backtrack a little bit um the the ex that you were waiting for your get from was your um, that, that was your second marriage, right? It was a very short second marriage. Yeah. Two and a half years. No so children. I want, so I want to, I want to backtrack a little bit. Can you tell me about, um, about your first marriage? Yeah, I got married very young. Four days after I turned 18 was my wedding. Um, and I had five kids very quickly. Um, by the time I was 25, I was a single mom with five kids. Um, and yeah, we, we, thank God we get on fine. My first ex and myself, we raised a five kid. I mean, he lives, he moved out of the country for about 10 years, but then he came back and he's very involved in the kid's life. He's a good dad. And, you know, I always feel like kids are the innocent victims in these. So, you know, we make it work and actually we get on, yeah, we get on fine. Thank God. And when you, um, when your first um, ex-husband and you divorced, that was a regular quick kind of process? Super quick, like chick chuck. Yeah, thank God. He was then moving abroad. And um yeah, I got I got my divorce within two days, like really quick. Okay. And it happens. You know, marriages don't work out. It's it's yeah. just part of life. That's just, so that's just... Spoken we'd spoken about it for a while. I like we knew I knew it was coming, but the fact that he was leaving, it was under pressure to do it before he went away, just to make sure there was no chance of me not getting it. So the rabbis were a little more um inclined to like hurry it up and thank god right and and you go through it and then and then you're a single mom and you have five kids so what is your life like as a single mom so thank god i have an amazing family my parents were then living nearby my younger sister was the only one at home at the time my older sister um was also nearby um so my younger sister helped me out a lot, but otherwise, well, I decided then I have to earn a living as one does. So I decided to do what my passion is, which is hairdressing. And I put myself through college, um, took extra courses with wigs, this, and I started my own wig business, which now thank God I have a big salon in Golders Green and I travel a lot and thank God that's doing good. So that was um, a ray of sunshine in a dark time, but thank God it got me through. Yeah. And, and how long, how long was it between your first divorce and your second marriage? I was by myself for seven years. Um, I started dating maybe three years after my divorce. I had to wait because my youngest was six months old at the time. I had to wait for her to hit the age of two under Jewish halacha. And, um, I'm, and I'm yeah. not familiar with that one. You have to wait until your kids are, t- are two to, 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 so- yeah so a man is free to remarry straight away a woman has to usually wait 92 days three months there's a chance of her being pregnant right um Um, but um but with a child under two you have to wait for that child to be it's it's to do with the the age of nursing like a child nurses until the age of two i don't know the exact reason along those lines um but yeah 
I am so, gonna I'm gonna look into that because I had never heard that before. That's yeah. actually pretty fascinating. You learn new things every day. Okay, so yeah. you waited you waited three years and then you yeah. start dating, which I'm sure is wonderful because it's wonderful for oh. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We have. We all have our our dating stories. I think the girls have a lot more. Um colorful ones and the guys but yeah we started dating and eventually I met this guy it was on and off for three years um he definitely had a commitment problem um there were some flashing lights whether I was in denial whether it was just the path I, I don't know I in hindsight everything you, you see everything in hindsight but you know at the time you know I don't know I was blinded by what I wanted it to be rather than what it was so I think that there are so, there are so, uh, I know that I, there are plenty of people I didn't marry them, but that I dated for much longer than I should have because mm -hmm. I, like you said, I, I wanted, I wanted it to be what I thought it was. You know, you want yeah. it, you want it to work out in the way that you think exactly. it will and you make excuses and you don't, um, you don't give proper credence to things that maybe are making your spidey senses go off, but right. you, but you, you convince yourself that it's, that's not what's actually happening. Exactly. Exactly. Right, that that, it, that it'll be okay and that it'll be okay um and then and then you marry him unnamed yeah. un, unnamed man who shall remain nameless um and then is it is it is it good for a time is it not is it it was challenging um i prefer not to go into too much detail of it but it was it wasn't it it was a challenging marriage. It definitely wasn't a bed of roses. It definitely wasn't my happily ever after that I could see. There were many tears shed the whole way through. Um, there were times I begged for counseling, for help, for therapy, for, for him to leave. <laughs> um, it just wasn't right. Um, he was very stubborn. Uh, he was in my home, so it's much harder. It, I mean, I had the right to kick him out, being it being my home um, and me paying for everything. But um, it's also very hard to physically remove someone without a concrete reason for moving them. Like, it was hard. Right. Um, and how long were you married before you decided to get divorced? So the marriage was two and a half years. Um, and yes. And, and then certain things came to light that, that it wasn't even a negotiable topic. It, there was um, stuff that came up that it just was a blatant red flashing light that this has to stop right now. So we had concrete reasons to end this relationship. Yeah. And this is where things get a little funky. Um, in, like we said before, in Jewish law, the, the legal of the marriage according to Jewish law is really important um and if the divorce process is drawn out that basically means that your life gets put on hold um what did, was it apparent from the very beginning that this was going to be different from your first divorce straight up straight up I mean the first divorce he won and I just knew it was going to go straight forward. He wasn't looking to hurt me. We have five kids together. He's not a bad person. It was just not right. Um, we were both very young and it just wasn't right. Um, but there was no animosity. And thank God, I'm a child whose parents got divorced when I was very young. I could not bear to put my kids through the way I felt. I was very adamant not to. This was between me and him. And, you know, we sorted it out. And thank God we are fine. Um, this one, due to the nature of the separation um, and his personality and his issues, I just saw straight up, this is going to be difficult. And there and then I actually, the day I actually left my home that night um, with my kids. And the next day, one of the leading rabbis of the um, Bet Din of the Jewish court here um, managed to get him to leave my home. And I came back and I had all my locks changed and um, there and then I spoke to the rabbi to arrange the, arrange the get and he kept saying, in time, in time, we'll do it. You know, there's a lot going on right now. Let him calm down. And that's when I was like panicking, like, no, 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 no. We have to do it now. We have to do it now. But like the second one gets to think, the second you're like, one second, I can use this to my advantage. And that's what they do. So, yeah. 
So when you say that that someone can use it to their advantage, what what was the beginning of that? What was the beginning of that process like? What did it what did it look like? You know, I know I know it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, but it's very clear because the feeling I feel now is parallel to what I felt then, like the negative versus the positive. So now I feel like my lungs can expand and then I felt like I was being suffocated slowly, slowly, slowly. The hands are going tighter around your neck and squeezing you and you can't because you just know that the chance every day that goes by, every hour of the day that goes by, that he's not going to grant you the divorce, that he's hearing more stuff from more people. He's talking, he's, and, and, and he's getting that push and that energy to, to start using bargaining chips. And, and it's not okay. Like there should never be, People have a right to get married. People have the right to get divorced. There should never be, especially with no children, even with children, you have a custody issue, go to court. You have a financial issue, go to court or mediator or something. But never, ever, ever use the fact of granting someone their freedom as a bargaining chip for anything. It's just not acceptable. It, it is not acceptable on any level under for any circumstance like you said if you if there are issues that need to be worked out then they can be worked out in a civil court but by choosing to work them out in in a jewish court what that essentially did was meant that your life was put on hold for close to 10 years right right yeah the nine and a half what what were those nine and a half years like um well at the beginning i know that you're only two weeks past them so this i'm sure that this is a question if i would ask you this in a year from now it would be a little bit of a different answer yeah but listen the first the first few years i had a lot going on in general um there was a lot going on with the whole issue i think for at least the first three years i didn't even think about i mean i did think about it um there was there's just a lot of, um, I don't know how to say it, a lot of other issues that had to be um, taken care of. And, and it, that was kind of put on the back burner. Although there were many times I said, you know what, I'm not dealing with these other issues. Let me just get my divorce and move on. But I knew for what was right and for my family, I just had to pursue. Um, once everything else calmed down, I tried everything. We, re- I work, we worked so hard. There was an amazing woman, um, who was then working at the London Beth Inn, uh, Joanne Greenaway. Um, she is very, very, um, passionate about helping women or men, but helping women get their divorce, like working in that, um, in that, trying to sort it out and get it all, um, negotiated fairly for people and um she tried so hard we tried many um many negotiations many um we flew to europe because once when the uk was then part of europe there was a chance of going under the european courts we tried um everything there were so many tactics that we used but um it was like hitting that brick wall time after time. There was a time that we were literally ready. I was told to be at the vet din on this date at this time. It's going to be done. And he didn't show. He didn't come. He pulled, He backed out last minute. Um, and each time was that being pushed to the ground and having to get back up and try again. It yeah. was hard. That's that that is that's awful. And and I really I wouldn't wish that on on anyone. On no no matter how much I didn't like them, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. What? You know, I, I'm sure that, you know, I don't know, I would, but after five years, even maybe after six or seven years, I would start to think that maybe this is something that's never going to happen. Did that ever cross your mind? Um, I always believed it was going to happen at some point. I, I had no idea when I, I really, really believed it was going to happen. I actually wrote, um, a letter to the Lubavitcher's grave to the Oho, and I put it in the English letters. And actually, a response I got was, "You will receive your get in the right time." So I knew it was going to happen. Um, but that not knowing length of time kind of does, at times, just make you just be like, "Whatever, it's not happening." Um, 
you learn to get stronger. I, I was, I, I did a long, I, well, I, I think everyone should always be in therapy to be quite honest. That's my opinion, mm-hmm. but therapy was amazing and it really rebuilt me, made me stronger. My work, my family, you know, I have so many blessings in my life. I don't want to make that my life. I don't want to make that. It is a big part of me. Um, but I didn't want it to define who I was or, and what I was capable of and to like push my wings down. I wanted to fly. I wanted to still be able to be me. Um, so yeah, I kind of like with time moved on, but there was always that, there's always that feeling. It doesn't go away that, you know, someone suggests a name to you and you're like, oh yeah, but I don't have it yet. So I can't. And it's like, am I ever going to have what, you know, what we all want, what we all deserve? Am I ever going to get that um, second or third chance? But um, it's hard. I did have, there's, um, I did get an annulment, which was hard, but um, halakhically, well, it's a matter of opinion whether it's halakhically approved, but it was um, from the international vet then in new york they were amazing from rabbis and they did um they don't just hand it out to anyone they really look at each case and um i did get that i still felt i wanted again i didn't make that like now i've got this i'm free but it kind of psychologically made me say i'm done with him i'm done and i'm moving on and it actually took me about four months to actually even say tell my kids and my parents and my sisters i have this it took me a long time to digest it and to accept it. Um, eventually I did. And it kind of just like made me, made me move forward with my life. Whether anyone, a suggestion came up, I was considered dating or not, it didn't happen, but I just felt like I could move on. And then, um, and it was also a little bit, I think reverse psychology, like I don't need, I don't need that from you. And that made everything start turning I'm not condoning that everyone should run and get an annulment. It's not for everyone. And I do believe in it and my passion and what we're working on now is to help women get gets because that's halakhically and it is the right thing to do. And I'm very passionate and um, that's, it's the right way. That is 100% the right way. For me, it worked psychologically and emotionally taking that kind of route as well. Right, because I'm sure that once you had the annulment, which I'm assuming was a a, a halakhic annulment, not a legal. For sure. It's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So according to Jewish law, you get this annulment, which means that technically you don't even need the get. You don't even need the official divorce, right. which kind of takes away the power that he has in that situation exactly. because you don't need this thing that he won't give you. And exactly. that gives you a leg up in whatever, whatever issues were holding up the process. Exactly. Um, what was it that finally got that? How much time was it between when you got the annulment and when you got the get? Out of uh, curiosity. Four years. Oh, wow. like three and a half, four years, maybe. Um, yeah, I think it was 2016 that I got the annulment. Um, so it was still, it was still a lot of, t- it was still a bit of time. Um, from when I got the get, what happened was, um, it was, in the middle of the summer this year, a few months ago, um, someone on Instagram, someone I follow was starting this campaign, uh, keeping it real and talking about how Instagram life isn't reality. Like you see that perfect cup of coffee with her boss on and you know, you think, wow, she's got everything and it's amazing. And then you don't see the tornado in the kitchen behind it, the kids screaming, the marriage arguments, whatever, you don't see. The whole deal. So, this is, you know, this is Dahlia all... Ozil's Keeping It Real campaign. Um, exactly. And is awesome. Just She's amazing. And just note. being so raw and real and bringing out all, like from regular people to um, big bloggers on Instagram who actually opened up and showed their reality. And I, I was like watching like every, all these stories, like, like clicking one after the next after the next and saying like wow it's just amazing like everyone has something everyone it doesn't matter who has has stuff going on in their life no there is no such thing as perfection we all know that so um but it was really good to see it surface and um i called out my colleague who who whatever she runs my instagram and and she works with me she's very passionate about the salon and i just said um 
I think this is amazing. Have you seen it? What do you think? I think I'm going to talk about the whole Laguna thing. So she's like, yeah, you should. So I'm like, okay, I hung up and then she ran up to my room and I just started doing a story about it. Like before I changed my mind, I'm just going to do it. And the response was crazy. It was people messaging me. I might, I think I put my phone down and then I had like over a hundred messages within like half an hour or something just from people just like, Oh my God, I had no idea. You didn't have to get that's crazy. That's not normal. That's whatever. And it just went from there. I realized that people want to talk about this. Everyone knows someone who's in this situation. Nobody knows what to do about this situation. And it's kind of become almost a taboo subject that you don't really talk about it, but people's lives are put on pause who are being held hostage in a dead relationship. The end of the day, that's what happened. Like someone in their twenties is being withheld the opportunity from continuing a family. Someone, an older person, like they, they, no one's been given that chance and it's not, I don't know, it's just not acceptable in any way and nobody knows what to do about it. There's a limit what the rabbis can do. There's a limit, like they have to always, you know, think of the whole situation and being politically correct and whatever. They're, they're just like much more reluctant. They do what they do, but they don't do enough. So um, I realized that there is um, a huge gap in the system. And um, the standstill can last for however long the get refusal wants it to last. He has full control and full manipula uh, manipulation of this whole situation. And we have to stop that. Yeah, you're 100% right. And the way, I mean, it's one of those things that I personally, this is not something that I have any experience with at all. Um, but it's something that I personally really struggle with when it comes to, you know, in, in a lot of ways, there are people who would look at Orthodox women and would see us as, you know, just based on the way that we dress and maybe the fact that we tend to have a lot of kids and see us as oppressed in some way. And while I know that for me, that is not true on a day-to-day -day level, there are certain systemic things like the divorce process that really are, they, they are favorable to the men. Um, yeah. And I mean, listen, a part of that is based on the fact that we're still using a system that's 2000 years old and things were different 2000 years ago. Exactly. Um, you know, things were run a little bit differently um, the entire world over. And, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to, I don't want to imply that maybe we should be changing traditions um because there is value in you know doing something the same way for 2000 years but this is a real big problem this is a really big issue and this is one of those things where it, it's something that that i personally have a lot of trouble reconciling and i don't think that i ever will um and i think that for me the answer is to um in a lot of ways to give voice to the women who are in this awful situation and that's why the the work that you're doing with your organization get out i think is so important because the difference between now and 2000 years ago is that women now have a voice and you mm -hmm. can speak up when you see that something is not being done properly mm -hmm. and that's exactly what you decided to do yeah thank god i I completely agree and one and I always spoke about this that I understand the concept of of the get when thousands of years ago the man went out to war and whatever and there was no way of knowing where he was and he wasn't going to come back and find his wife with a new husband and three new kids or something when he was still he was out there fighting and protecting his people um nowadays when it's used totally for um revenge or control that is really ultimately the only reason it's ever used so that straight up has to stop that is not the purpose of the of the of the whole um halacha and also i do believe that a lot of jewish concepts have kind of evolved a little bit with time i'm not saying that we should rewrite halacha the same thing as you we can't and there is something about tradition of being passed down from generation to generation but but things have evolved and this is still so archaic and I, I do believe that our the rabbis are so sympathetic like really don't get me wrong i have nothing against them I, and i understand where they are from but i do believe an organization like get out is the right organization to change this all right in new york they're another amazing organization we're going to be kind of like linking with them um they are 
they can do things that the rabbis can't necessarily do. And that's what we need. We need to stand up and take that control away from the man. Um, keep his name in the community floating around. Keep it, keep, people need to be aware of the maliciousness of this person. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, listen, the, the way that I always describe growing up Orthodox to someone who's not familiar with it is that I need you to imagine every single small town that you've heard in every single country song. That's what growing up Orthodox is. Well, you know, everybody knows each other. Everyone's all up in, in everyone else's business. We, we might live in these big cities like New York, like London, wherever it is that we are, but, but it's a small town and there is power in that. And I, um, I am, I, I, I think that using the the closeness of our communities to our advantage. And like you said, if there's someone who is refusing to get a get, making sure that everybody knows, that's really powerful stuff. So from the day that I did my first live on Instagram, um, I think it was on the 23rd of September, I did a live because for the few weeks leading up to it, I've been talking about my stories and I decided I'm just gonna like do a live, answer people's questions. It was like 45 minutes. It's now had nine and a half thousand views. And one month to the day I got my get, well, one month less, one day, 22nd, I think it was, um, I got my get and it came out of nowhere. So, um, A, I think social media is the most, it can be used. So for such amazing things like this, um, the sharing and the voice and people talking and the instantaneous, just like like being there and interacting with people all over the world. It's just like, it, it's terrifying for the person who it's being done about, but it can be so powerful to help other people. Um, and yeah, I just think I'm losing my train of thought over here, but, um, but yeah, it's the live, it's, the live that you did, is it saved to your page? Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna link that in the show notes so that anyone um, who wants to watch that can um, can swipe up on the cover art and get that. The okay. what changed the needle? What made you finally? What what made your ex finally change his mind after nine and a half years? So um, this woman, Joe, who I worked with a lot in the past, she contacted me again after I started becoming active on. Um, my Instagram page on Facebook. And um, there are these two very big lawyers, very, very big. One is a Queen's counsel, one is a lawyer who are trying to do what they can to help um, women in this situation. And a law was passed in 2015 in the UK that a man can face up to five years in prison for coercive and controlling behavior. And although you can't just use get refusal for that, you can take the whole act of control, of abuse, or however you want to phrase it, um, together. And it will, if it gets to court, um, he will face the possibility of a prison sentence. Um, they did one case before mine. It didn't get to court. And the man, it wasn't as long as mine. I'm not sure exactly the time frame, but he gave the get. With mine, the lawyers reached out. We had a couple of meetings. They actually knew of my story because of all the story that happened initially. They, they were all aware of who and what they were dealing with. Knew it wasn't going to be a straightforward or easy um, ride. Um, wrote to him. They're also Jewish lawyers. So they wrote to him. It happened to be Elul the month before the Jewish New Year, where it's a lot you know, I want to talk about repentance and thinking about your actions and how we could improve ourselves. So they did kind of <clears throat> put a lot of that into the, into the letters. He still had very high demands. He still wanted money. He still wanted a few things. And I was just like, no, not happening. We'll go to court. We'll go to court. I wasn't sure I was going to pay for it, but we'd not cross that bridge where we got to it, whatever. Well, 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 it was my only option at this point. It was my only option. And then out of the blue, I get, um, I got a message that he wants to do it right before Rosh Hashanah, the, the new year. And um, I was called up. He, he decided he wanted to go through a different organization, not the London Bethlehem. So he wanted to go through Kadassia, a different one, um, who I hadn't had anything much to do with. Um, who did call me up and ask, how, how urgent is it really? Do we have to do it? I mean, 
New Year's tomorrow. Do we, is it really urgent? I'm like, I don't know. I've waited nine and a half years. Do you think it's urgent? I think it's pretty urgent. So he's like, okay, let's try, let's try. Um, and yeah, they couldn't, they couldn't get everyone together. So we booked it for the day after, which was Monday, which also was a fast day. It's not advisable, but I'm like, seriously, we're not going down this road right now. He's like, okay, fine, we'll do it. And thank God I, I came with, together with my sisters and a rabbi just because I wanted, I was going into a real black men's world over there. And um, I just wanted a, a, a like, you know, black coat, black beard, black hats guy with me as well. You needed just a mascot. To, like, you know, yeah. Just, you never know. And, and we have to be prepared for every eventuality in every case. I didn't know if he was going to go in there and be like, actually, before I give it this, 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 thank God it went very straightforward. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was a miracle. It was literally a miracle. Wow. And this was two, just over two weeks ago, you said, right? It was two weeks ago. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. We're recording this on October 6th. So this is, this is so new and and I'm, yeah. I'm just, I, went, I mean, when I first learned of the whole story, which was after you had already um, gotten your get and after Dahlia shared it again, that like, this is what happens when, no, this is what we can do on this page. I was, I was so overwhelmed by it. And I had only just learned about it five seconds ago. And I can only yeah. imagine what that feeling was for you after nine and a half years to finally be given the freedom to live your life however you you choose to what like what what was that day like what what was what were, what were those feelings like um I have to say that something spiritual like you can't see the concept of being refused to get and being held hostage in this dead relationship you can't see it you can only feel it so something a spiritual concept literally does have a physical effect on our bodies and it was like my lungs could fully expand. I felt, I, I feel every day different. I feel lighter. I feel like I can breathe. I, it's a physical feeling. People, so many people call me. I'm like, your voice is dancing. You sound so happy. And I'm like, really? But um, yeah, we had a couple of lachayams. We have a rule of six here at the moment. We're in a, not really in a lockdown, but we're like, you know, very controlled right now, what we can and can't do. So we had a very small little, party um little groups um of six and um yeah one day when this whole COVID situation is gone we'll do a big party to celebrate because we're going to keep celebrating as long as we can but it's um it is amazing and I think one of my biggest um my biggest rewards um really is watching this whole organization be formed and get off the grounds and it's something I'm so passionate about and so like for me, that will be my ultimate goal. I was talking recently to a woman who's waiting 20 years and it, it, it's just heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking to listen to people's stories. It doesn't matter. The truth is if it's two years or 20 years, every day that the person is stuck is, is pain. And um, I want to make changes. I really want to make changes here. Right. The, the organization that you started is, I love the name, it's called Get Out, um, which is a fantastic name. And, um, and it's, it's something that you started based on your own experiences of, of needing, of, you know, trying to get your get and being in Aguna. Um, what, what, can you tell me a little bit more about it? Tell me a little bit more about Get Out. Sure. So, um, I had some interaction with Aura in America and there is nothing like that here in the UK. And, um, about six, seven years ago, when the rabbis put out this um, ostracization of my ex, it went out one week in the newspaper and that was it. So one week, everyone saw his face. Everyone said that he, they shouldn't have anything to do with him. And that was it. It kind of like, yeah, he's been ostracized from the community, but that's it. And it, there was kind of like nothing doing. And you kind of feel so lost like you have these people who potentially can help you there's nothing much they can do there's no one really to talk to everyone's kind of like oh that's so sad like mm, okay what's that what what else is doing can we move um, on please because i'm so uncomfortable exactly exactly so um i just decided that that again seeing the response from everyone we have to do something to help this organization that we want to a 
um, we, we've just had now our emergency funds, but we are working now on becoming a registered charity and then we'll be gift aided. Um, so that'll be um, easier and better for people to donate, but we want to give emotional and financial support. Whoever is able, these team lawyers that help me um, want to be involved and help as many as they can. Obviously there are legal costs to it. Um, if we can give, um, like if we can help subsidize that for people, obviously according to the means, according to the case, according to however long it will take, whatever we can do, we want to do. Um, we also plan on having get doulas. Um, so that means a caseworker for each each person will have their own caseworker, which will be trained by um, by professionals how to deal with that. And that means going when a woman goes into that courtroom or goes into the rabbi's room to talk about their case or any any even with the lawyers, it's so intimidating and you're already so tired and so worn out and so emotionally drained from everything. Um, that you've been experiencing that sometimes you're just so overwhelmed there and you're just like I, I, I can't like whatever you walk out of there no idea what they've just said to you um, like whatever I'll just do what I'm told to do go where I'm supposed to go and you just feel like whatever I, I you know I, I can't um, so this person is going to be your voice she's going to be their pillar she's going to be their support she'll know everyone's case each caseworker each get doula will know their client's um case back to front obviously we'll meet with each one and support them throughout that we have therapists who want to be involved everyone is volunteering their time um it's amazing it's just like so fantastic seeing everything come together and everyone want to be a part of this um yeah no one should have to go through the whole system and the whole um way of doing the whole journey of being an aguna by themselves and it is a very lonely journey so we just want to assist and help people in ways that we can if it means arranging um peaceful protests outside the men's house or case of work if it means um you know things are going to go very in a very straightforward but whichever way it's going to go we want to be there for that woman and to help her through it to carry her through it i like the idea of showing up at his work I'm a fan of that one. That's probably yeah. very effective. Um, the, you are um, having a fundraiser now for that emergency fund, right? We have a GoFundMe page up on the Get Out UK Instagram page and also Rifka Salon. There's a link in the bios. Um, yeah, hoping to reach £10,000 um, soon, please God. We have um, two current cases that have that we're going to be working on um so we want to be able to help those obviously we're limited what we can take on at the moment because fund wise and we're still at the seed seedling stage of it so right now we're currently getting the website um made and just sorting out all the legal um routes of doing things we've got to make sure it's all done properly um but in the meanwhile people are reaching out the week that i got my get there were two other gets given the same the same week uh long standing um one i know for sure was impacted on my case on the fact that we were coming out and being a voice um knowing that we weren't going to keep quiet knowing that the woman had reached out to us and she was desperate for us to help her and literally two days after i got mine she got her get so um it will 100 percent have an effect on this whole crisis yeah and even just the even just the act of talking about these things of bringing of bringing this into the light a lot of the things that go on leading up to a divorce happen behind closed doors and if the proceedings stay behind closed doors then in a lot of ways woman is at a disadvantage and by talking about it by bringing these things to the light that's where that's where we exercise our power that's where we can use social pressure to make sure that nobody ends up in the situation that you did. I'm going to leave the GoFundMe page also in the show notes so that um, anyone who is interested can um, swipe up on the cover art and donate to that. You don't need to donate in pounds. You can donate with American dollars, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah, GoFund think, yeah. GoFundMe converts everything, so don't worry about it. Um, if I'm... I, I, I'm sure that there is at least one person listening to this who is maybe in a similar situation that you were in. Like you said, whether it's two years or 20, getting strung out in that divorce process is awful for any length of time. Um, what would you say to, uh, to someone listening to this now who's maybe going through it? First of all, I want to just send you the biggest, biggest virtual hug. 
I want to cry even just thinking about people in that situation. Um, you're not alone. You're really, as, as much as you feel like you're alone, you are 100% not alone. Everyone out there is on your side because I know the response that we got and the support that we are getting, how much everyone around in the world wants to make a difference and wants to help you. So first of all, it's so important to remember that people out there want to help you. Um, we, the most, I mean, you're all welcome to reach out to us in whatever country you are in. We are linking up with organizations there. So um, if you're in America, we're working with Aura. Um, there's, I'm sure there's other organizations there in Israel. We have a couple of places that we're working with. We're going to start working with. Um, we're going to reach out to all different um, communities in different countries. Um, so if there's, if you're listening to this and you can hear what we plan on doing here in the UK, you can reach out to us and let's guide you and help you in whatever way we can. Um, because no one should have to go through this. Um, another point I wanna just, I wanna say quickly is that um, I feel very passionately that prevention is better than cure. And we have to deal with everyone who's in this situation right now. We have to deal with all the agonas and stop this crazy control in, in this community that we will sift through and help one by one by one, for sure we're gonna make a difference. But if we can stop the future generations from getting in this situation by promoting the prenup, prenuptial agreements and even post-nup agreements, and in the UK, I know America has much stronger halakhic prenup, but the UK, it's not as recognized. And that's one thing that we really, I am really passionate about getting off the ground. I wanna find out why it's not so strong here in the UK and I want to understand it and I want to sit with the legal council and I want to um I want to go to all the Jewish universities and the high schools and start like drilling it into the younger generation's minds um all my kids know that I am not paying a penny for their weddings if they do not have a prenup they I mean they do I want to and it's not even a, a anything to put a doubt in their minds so but um but we have to get it to be a normal thing it just has to be one of the in England it's also it's an English law, but it also sounds very okay. But you have to put the bands up before you register the wedding. You have to go, and if anyone has a reason to dispute that wedding, they have two weeks to do that in the civil in the civil um, in the civil law. It has to, and it's normal. Everyone does it when they're registering and they're getting the wedding. You have to go to the registry office and and do that procedure. Um, it has to become normal that before a Jewish couple on their wedding day, before they go to the chuppah, they sign that agreement. Um, there will be a financial thing and whatever happens, that is the time to do it because you love that person so much and that time you're about to get married and you care so much about that person, out of an act of love, you never want to hurt that person. So that's when you're going to sign that agreement. The second a couple get to the state of separation and um, facing divorce, that brings out character traits and people that 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 people never even know they they have inside of them so you don't want to get to that stage because at that stage it's already too late in in aura the um aura the organization in new york have a saying friends don't let friends get married without a prenup and that's what it's about it's a gift because i care about you so much and i love you i want you to do this and it's not super romantic to do with your fiance before your wedding but then again turning it around and saying because i love you and i care about you i don't want to ever be the one to hold you back in your life and that's what we've put it. That's one thing that we really have to promote and get raise awareness in the UK, in well, or around the world. That every community has to make it a natural thing to do before a wedding. Yeah, I I could not agree with you more. I think that also, just coming from purely selfish perspectives, you know, listen, a certain percentage of couples end up divorced. It's just the way it is, and. Right from a totally selfish space, I would like to be negotiating with someone who loves me, not someone who hates me. And if you're doing, if you're signing a prenup, then you're quote unquote negotiating with someone who loves you. And that's the place to make those kinds of decisions. Um, and and well. a financial one wouldn't be an issue. Wouldn't it, it, a financial prenup isn't a concept people argue about this. Of course, if especially some two people who are more advanced in their life there late 40s 50s 60s whatever age they are they they're coming with more assets so um yeah they are it, it's going to be natural to make a financial agreement so then you should also have a halachic yeah 100 it has to go hand in hand 
100%. If somebody wants to be in touch with you, Rivka, um, or be in touch with Get Out, how can they do that? Um, you can DM us on Instagram at Get, get Out UK, G E T O U T UK. Um, we also have our, webs- our, our um, email address, getoutuk at gmail.com. And our website is being set up. So we'll oh, post okay. that. So as soon as the website is set up, you will let me know and I will add that to the show notes as well. And all of that information is in, is in the show notes. And again, you can access that by swiping up on the cover art. If you are on Apple, if you're on Spotify, I don't think that you can see it, um, but you can go to impactfashionnyc.com scroll all the way to the bottom, hit podcast, and then you'll find this episode and all of the links will be there as well. Last thing that I want to ask you, Rivka, is what I ask everyone who comes on the show. And that is to you, Rivka Meyer, what does it mean to make an impact? Um, to make an impact, it means, to make an impact means, to, well, to make a difference, to watch an effect that I, something that I am doing or saying or giving to another person and watching that person smile, walk away with something that they've taken from what I've done. And that's going to change their day or their life, hopefully. <laughs> um, making a difference in someone's day. Yeah, that that is a big thing. Wow. You're doing an amazing thing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on today, Rifka. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Rifka, her links are in the show notes. You'll find everything that we mentioned there. You'll also find links to the most comfortable masks and at-home activities perfect for quarantine, some of which are free, all of which are high fashion. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art or going to impactfashionnyc.com. Be Impactful is presented by Impact Fashion, your destination for size-inclusive, modest fashion. See all of my designs and my work at impactfashionnyc.com. To hear more episodes, be sure to subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review or a quick rating. They make my day. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzquitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.